Friends, welcome to Bet On You Radio, where every episode we have some amazing guests sharing some inspirational stories that will help give you the tools and strategies you need to bet on yourself and win. I am here with the amazing, the phenomenal, the legendary Angie Witkowski, and I am her co-host, Ben Whiting. Angie, how's your week been? It's been a week since we've done this thing. It is great, and when you introduce me like that, I almost feel like it's an obligation to say kind things about you. (laughs) (laughs) But But you you gave me no words. (laughs) But you just struggle to think of anything nice to say. And here is Ben, my friend and fellow co-host of Bet On You Radio. Uh, You know, I've had a really... Fun travel experience. You just got back from New York, didn't you? Yes, I was in New York. This was actually just a vacation for me. I, I talked to a, an old client there, but also just saw some shows and hung out with some friends and had a great time. It was good to recharge the battery. What about yourself? I traveled uh, last week to Florida, to Texas, and then spent the week here in northern Michigan and loved it. It was like a balmy April weekend. Uh, oh, and the, <laughs> yeah, the weather in New York was ridiculous. It was like 50 and sunny the whole... It was great. It was great. Well, I am excited about this episode because because Angie, you and I, we started working together before we became really good friends. And now we text all the time and you know we talk about New York vacations. But the people we're gonna have on today were best friends before they decided to get into their work relationship, which has been going on now for like three, four years. And I think it's really cool about having those types of friends to be co-conspirators. Because if you have a friendship, inevitably, you talk about the things that you want to do or you could be doing, and your friendship can be, well, let's just go do it. Let's just go try it. To have that partner in crime is so invaluable. So we have Jamie and Masayel. They are the co-founders and co-hosts of Flipping the Barrel podcast. They also do extraordinary events. And you're going to get so much inspiration and life guidance. And if you've got a risk in your mind... Tune in, because they're going to encourage you to just go out and take it. We have Jamie and Maciel. How are you doing, ladies? Hey, wonderful. Thank you all so much for having us. We're so excited. It's so great to be on the opposite side. We're usually the ones interviewing, and now we're being interviewed. So uh, thank you for having us. (laughs) We love what you're doing with Flipping the Barrel. For those of you who aren't as familiar with your work, why don't we just have you talk a little bit about just the inspiration behind your podcast, your events, and the amazing things you two are doing as a duo. Yeah, no, of course, we would love to. You know, uh, like I was saying before, thank you so much for having us. Um, And, you know, we're specifically in the energy space right now for our podcast and for what we're doing. But the inspiration really behind it was the amazing careers that Masa and I both have had in the industry and how we felt that the outside world really didn't understand or get to have a really good grasp on really what we did and the energy that they use on a daily basis, really how it came about and the people behind it. Um, and we had such such a great experience that we just wanted a way or outlet to share that with others. It was really about just putting out good inspiration, positivity around the energy industry and sharing the stories of those that are in it. Um, and that is really the at the end of the day, what really sparked us starting flipping the barrel um, was we were flipping the perspective uh, in oil and gas and from a women's perspective, but also flipping it around and really sharing like and humanizing what we do and you know the great experiences that people have had, um, but also what the career opportunities are in the oil and gas industry. Oh, that's fascinating. How did you two meet? Masael, I think you've got a really great story about your connection there around your shared passion. Yeah, so it's actually a funny story. Um, Jamie's husband, Jason, reached out to me on Instagram uh, via DM, <laughs> and he was commenting on a salad that I had posted. 
And I thought it was really weird that he knew what the salad was and where, like, what the restaurant was. Well, what was the and salad? Then, I know, this, we gotta, was this, we gotta like, pause quinoa? for a second. Is yeah. salmon? What's what, going what were you on? eating? It was just a simple, like, chicken salad from a place called Bella Green in Houston. And I thought it was really weird that a guy would connect with me on a salad. But then <laughs> he went on and said, you need to meet my wife. She's exceptional. I think you guys would really get along. You're both into fitness. You're both in oil and gas. You're both in wireline. And I had just moved to Houston maybe like a few months and I didn't know anybody there. And especially in a male dominated industry, it's rare that you find another, you know, lady like uh, yourself with all of these common things in the same age. And so I was like, I would love to meet your wife. Um, and then Jamie has a funny side of her story when she's like, why are you talking to this girl on Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna go there too. Yeah, that was the next question, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, so it was pretty interesting because to Masiel's point, my husband had reached out to me and he was like, hey, I just I'm going to I want to connect you with Masiel and he sends me her Instagram. And if you're not aware, she has a bunch of followers. She's been posting for a long time, especially her her career in the oil field and, and, and at the field level. And she um, really touched a lot of people with that. And but when he sent it to me, you know, of course, I'm like, what are you doing trying to connect us? Um, and I was a little like apprehensive, but just like Masiel said, I was like, hey, you know what? Like there's not very many women in the industry, especially in our field of work. And if we can do anything but come together, let's do it. Um, and so quite honestly, right after that, we met at Bella Green because that is one of the favorite places for both of us to eat at. And we hit it off immediately. Um, we became like best friends overnight. We talked for three hours. We were literally like identical uh, personalities. And we it was just one of those things that just felt like it was meant to be. Um, and so it was, it was quite funny how social media really brought us together. Yeah, now how long did it take to take this friendship and turn it into a business partnership? I think three weeks. Three oh, weeks. Wow, record. <laughs> record breaking. That's amazing. Yes. So it was funny because her and I have this really big drive to and just passion for diversity and inclusion within our industry and really also like showcasing all the men that have supported us through our careers. And we since we touched on so many of these things that were so personal to us, it didn't take us long to realize that we needed to do something together. Um, so we had invited them over, I think it was for like the 4th of July or one of those celebratory events. And that was when we came up with flipping the barrel and deciding to do a podcast. That is such a great name, by the way, of a podcast. I get it. And it's clever and it's smart. How might that have come about? I'd love to hear about that. So to Jamie's point, we were, I think what's been successful with us is that we just decide to do something and we don't think too much into it and we just do it. And so after we said, let's start a podcast without even getting into the names, we went on Amazon and we ordered all the equipment that was needed for a, a podcast. We just Googled and YouTubed a few videos and then came the marketing side of what are we going to call ourselves? And we were just throwing names out there constantly like this, this, this. And then Jamie went on like flipping and then it just kind of came up. Jamie mentioned flipping the barrel and we knew it. Like after a hundred different names and logos, we we're like flipping the barrel. That's it. Let's run with it. And then we went and got the www.flippingthebarrel.com and we bought it and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. Now, and how many episodes have you done today to date? We have about a hundred. Yeah. I was about to say, Marcel probably would know more. She makes, she uh, creates our cover art. So she's always putting the number on it, but it's definitely up there. Um, because it's been, it'll be about four years this year um, since we've started. So 
uh, we are, yeah, I'm pretty sure we're breaking the 100, 100 mark. <laughs> that is amazing. And you all have gotten some really impressive guests. Talk about those early days as you were building your podcast. And let's not forget, you both have lives outside of podcasting and careers and everything else. And so just would love to hear about the early days, not just developing your guest relationships, but even building your business. Yeah, no, we, we'd love to share that. So when we first met, we didn't have children yet, um, but that was always something that her and I really connected on as well. Uh, but outside of that, um, we, you know, when we first started it, our aspirations, I remember we were sitting around a table and Maciel said like, one day we're going to have a CEO on, but we really didn't know that it would come to where we're at today. Um, so we really just started out and decided, you know what, let's get the key people that have helped us and our you know, career path. And some of those key players are managers or supportive partners um, on the podcast. And let's interview them first, since we have no idea what we're doing. Um, and you should have heard some of our first episodes. Some of them we didn't really, we didn't even post because they were so long winded. <laughs> um, you should hear we, our first know, episodes right? too, right? Oh, never yeah, will. No. <laughs> we had no structure um, and her and I can talk for hours. So you can only imagine where the podcast like went in some, in some instances. Um, but it really changed for us when uh, the CEO of the time that the company I was working for, CNJ Energy um, Services, which is uh, Don Galwick, um, I had reached out to him and he really liked what we were doing. And we had asked for him to come on the podcast and we wanted to share his story because he had a really uh, you know, incredible upbringing. And we thought what he did was was really um, you know memorable and, and, and should be shared. And he said yes immediately. And we were like, oh, my God, like this is our first CEO ever. Um, and he really started it for us because once we brought him in and we did his interview, it was like this whole network that he introduced us to. Um, and since we were spreading so much positivity and since the episodes are really about the person and not about the company they work for, um, it really showcased them. And, you know, it's really great when you're always, when you're highlighting other people and what they've done, um, when it's not about you, when it's about, you know, really about the, the guests. And so doing that, um, and then, you know, bringing the awareness to, to diversity and inclusion in every single episode with the questions that we ask on, you know, how we are bettering that in our industry really opened up a lot of doors for us. And so that is that was really the start of us getting to the guests that we've had today. Monsiel, I have a question because you two are, it's just amazing because I just heard of a term uh, this past week that I'd never heard of before, I probably should have, called an intrapreneur. This is someone who is not cutting all ties and going out of their own to start a business. That's an entrepreneur. This is someone who has a job but is also developing a side hustle and in addition to this, you're just saying that you and Jamie also have families. Like, so it's not even a work-life balance that's a seesaw. It's more like a weird tripod kind of a thing. What advice would you have to someone who maybe is at their job and is excited about this new idea they have and they just want to put it out into the world? That's a great question. Um, you know, for many years, I would say I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I also wanted a career. And I remember reading other stories and hearing, you know, entrepreneurs that, you know, started a business and I'd say, I want to be like them, but I don't have an idea. So I would, you know, even Jamie and I would go over and like, what can we really build? What, what product can we put onto the market? Like we were just trying to think of creative ways of starting a business, but you always hear in the stories that you have to really do what you love and it's just going to show up one day and it's going to be in front of you. And that's kind of what happened with us. When we first started it, it was never really, a, you know, like we're going to do this business. It was like, here's a need. 
we're both passionate about it. We were going to do extra, you know, kind of like an extracurricular activity. Like we were going to do this on the weekends and the evenings. And from there, it just grew and grew. And, you know, we love it so much that we focus a lot of time on it. It's really hard to balance. Like you mentioned, we have families and we have a full-time job and a career. But what we think makes Flipping the Barrel successful is the fact that we're both going through our careers. And it helps a lot when we're, we know what the people want. We know what people going through their careers face. We, so I, I think it adds a lot of value to what we're doing with Flipping the Barrel, which is why we've decided to keep it, you know, both, uh, both are important to us. And then in terms of the family life, um, like Jamie mentioned, when we first met, we didn't have kids. Now we both have two daughters. And at the end of the day, there's no balance for us, but it's what makes us happy. I think anybody looking on the outside, they would think like, gosh, you guys work so much or you're, you know, like we meet every day almost at seven o'clock at night till nine or so. And that's how we work on Flipping the Barrel. And then on Sundays, we usually meet for about two hours in the afternoons. And so for people, they may think like, that's too much. I don't want to do that. And that's fine. Not everybody's balance is going to look the same. But for us, it just it's what fuels us. And uh, it works really well for this us. This is incredible. And it's, it's I can just tell listening to you two how well you get along and like the synergy between the two of you. But I got to ask, you know, seven to nine every day, two hours on Sundays, surely at some point in time, there's been a disagreement. How how do you how do you resolve that? How do you find that middle ground? You know, that's a great question. Um, what's interesting about Jamie and I is that we're so similar that we, you know, the things that we won't, we're both, we're very strong personalities. So think about having two strong personalities trying to work together. What's been beautiful about it is that we know that we're both the same. And so when we have some sort of conflict or we don't agree on something, we don't usually act like we usually do towards other people. We're, we like tiptoe <laughs> around it because I know that if I blow up, she blows up. Or, you know, we have such strong personalities that we usually are like, hey, so what's worked for us is like, hey, you know, um, this happened or you did this or I did this. And I didn't really like how I felt. And so and then from there, we both have like a very genuine conversation. We're like, I didn't know that that's how you felt. And then we kind of go from there. And then the next day we just move on like nothing ever happened. So, and I would say that was a lot in the beginning. Now, after almost three and a half years, we work really well together where it's like, it's been a very long time that we've, we know we haven't had a disagreement, but in the beginning when we were trying to work with these two personalities, it was about just being super honest and saying like, I need to tell you how I feel right now. I'm not going to bottle this up and then vice versa. Jamie, would you disagree with that? <laughs> for the benefit of our listeners, right. yeah, for, yeah, start an argument right here. <laughs> yeah. See it live. <laughs> no, I totally agree. What I'd like to add to that, though, is what we've also realized is like what kind of makes both of us also tick. Like I know what parts of Maciel's personality where if I did something could make her upset and she knows how I am. And she also knows that I am more of the worrier where she's more of the free flow. And so that like, there's a lot of things that we're very similar on, but there's a lot, there's some things that we're, we're where we are different, but that's what really helps because like, she knows when I'm going like super anxiety on like, you know, our next event and what we need to do and like how many people we need to talk to you. And then she's over here like calm and chill. And so those things have been really helpful. But what she didn't add is that not only do we meet every night, but we literally text 24 <laughs> 7. <laughs> and like, if there's a day where we haven't 
like talk to each other it's like weird it's like hey like hey what's going on like are you alive like yeah. you know um but it's it's honestly at the end of the day it's all about communication like we have to communicate and when there's a problem we have to address it immediately we can't sit on it for months because then that just fosters like a, a you know a really bad environment and it's really just her and i in this so you know there we don't have you know like 30 other people that were also, you know, trying to wrangle her in. Like, it's just her and I working day to day together on it. So we really have to be aligned. And, and that's really what we try to do. I just heard two really great ingredients for a successful business partnership. One is you can facilitate healthy conflict. You can disagree and you can respect each other's opinion and you can anticipate how the other person is going to react or respond. So there's healthy conflict. And then there's also communication, the constant communication, so you're staying engaged. What other ingredients would you say are needed for a really healthy business relationship? Chicken salad. Chicken salad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, what I think too is you have to, can't like, in business, and I see this a lot with a lot of people that especially come to us and want to get advice on how to start something. My, her, and I, Mafia will probably 100% align with this. It's not about like, how do I start? It's start, like do it. Like you, in order to have a successful business and a partnership, you can't just say things. Like you can't say, oh yeah, we have this vision to do this and not work on it. Like you have to be reactive and you have to be reactive before the next person does it. Um, and when you say you're gonna do something, you need to follow through. And those are the things that I think any business is successful if you do that. And you know it's stated many times that all you have to do is be 10% better than the other person uh, as far as your competitors, if you, you know, in the realm that you're in to be successful. But in order to do that, you have to constantly be up to date. You need to be, um, you know, aggressive on what you want out of your business and go for it and not sit back and wait. I mean, I see too many times people have these big visions, but they don't execute. Um, and you need to be hold, held accountable. There needs to be accountability. Uh, and without accountability, you know, you can't get anywhere. And I think those are the things that her and I are very good at um, is accountability, is addressing deadlines and addressing um, not only deadlines, but like, for instance, the events, they all started honestly last year pursuing greatness. The only reason it became what it is today is because we posted an image on social media, Maciel was at my house. We had our daughters. We had been working all day on this idea to do this Pursuing Greatness Women's event at the Petroleum Club. And Maciel goes, you know what? We're taking a photo right now and how we look, which we were like, our kids are in pajamas. Yes. We were a complete mess. And we're like, we're posting it and we're saying March 3rd, or I think it was March 4th, Pursuing yeah. Greatness, get ready, we're coming. And like that was- We had no venue, we had nothing. <laughs> I wanna- go to some of the amazing guests that you've had, because you obviously get to be students inside your journey and hosting your podcast. I'd love to hear about some of your successful events and some of the things you've learned along the way by hosting some spectacular guests. So what are some of the things that stood out that have really helped you grow and develop through your work? I would say for me is sometimes when you see people who've gone to the CEO level or the VP level, you just think that they did it so easily. Like, you know, when you see people be successful, you kind of think like a lot of it has to do with just luck and they were born into it. And what we've noticed is that a lot of them went through very difficult moments. It's 
you know, it's not a steady upward climb. There's a lot of ups and there's a lot of downs, but everybody who has made it is extremely resilient and also has a drive and wants to be better uh, every day and wants to, you know, keep increasing um, in, in, in corporate or going out and doing their own business. Cause we've done a lot of people who did corporate and then they went out and started their own companies. And so what I noticed was that I thought it was just like one recipe and uh, it's not. The other thing too, is that everybody's way of reaching the top is extremely different. What one person does, other people don't do, or some people like, it's just the rest. It, it, what, what I realize is that not everything needs to fit in one box. So just because one person gives one advice and that worked for them doesn't mean that that's what you have to do because there's other people who don't do that advice and do something different. And so it's really kind of made us realize that we can drive our own careers and kind of make it work for ourselves with some of the advice that they have. But at the end of the day, it's your own journey and it's not going to look the same as other people. And I, I love what you said there about, you know, the resilience and the effort. There's this wonderful book. I think it's called Grit that says, you know, skills come from talent times effort. And success comes from skills times effort. So where skills and talent are 25% each effort and just that resiliency is 50% of what makes up success. And it just sounds like you've kind of encapsulated that perfectly. What I'd add there too is that we have noticed even we kind of showed, we showcased this in our last event that nobody did it alone. So they always had a partner, um, have that be a spouse, have that be their family, have that be a friend. Um, there was always a partner in it that was cheering them on. Um, and that is very important in the success of somebody. Cause you, even if you have all the drive, there's days where you don't feel like doing it and you need somebody there to constantly kind of lift you up when maybe nobody else is. And, um, you know, it, it doesn't matter the background or, or who they are. They all had somebody. And we showcased that in our last event where we had a duo of, um, Regina Jones and her husband who had supported her through her career. And she's the chief legal officer for Baker Hughes. And we did a panel session with them and you know, kind of explain how important it was to have that partner. And it happened to be her partner happened to be her husband. But um, that was a, a one that was the first time for anybody to really do an event like that. We're really showcased, you know, although we see Regina in this light and the amazing things that she has done, you know, her husband was there also supporting her through that. And that's that was important uh, with her success of, um, of where she got today. I love that. And I love Regina Jones. We have that um, individual in common with our network. She's fantastic. And I would love to hear from you because mm -hmm. I'm making the assumption that both of your spouses also work. And I know that there's always a lot of tension in dual career families about whose job or career is more important. How do you negotiate that? Because you two both work a tremendous amount. And I imagine... Your partners also work a tremendous amount. And even if they work inside the home, it's still a lot of responsibility to take on. How do you balance careers in dual households? For, for myself, um, what's worked for both of us is that we've always been very supportive of what each other wants to do, and we never tell each other what to do. And so if we have to move, which luckily for me, it's been, it's been able to work out because he works from home. He runs his own business. Um, and so he's moved four times to three different countries because of my career, but I know that that's not easily found. And so at certain points, we did have to have a conversation of, hey, I can no longer follow you anymore. I know that I've done it for the last 10 years, but at this point we need to switch gears and now you're gonna have to follow me or we're gonna have to go back to the US, et cetera. And so I think it's just a conversation, again, communication is key. 
um, at the end of the day, they want you to succeed. You want them to succeed. And so you also have to have that playing field of, yes, he's followed me for my career all this time. It's made it work and I've been able to be successful because of it, but I cannot also say, well, too bad. It's my career. So next year we're moving somewhere else because you also have to play it, give it back and say, yeah, you know what, this year we're going to focus on you. So it's always going to change. It's just that the communication of the fact that we both want to have successful careers and he's my number one cheerleader and I'm his number one cheerleader. And so I think it's uh, similar to Jamie as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'll, um, I would have to say, so my husband's full time as well. He works in energy industry which has been really fun for me because we were both in sales for the longest time and we had sent the same clients. <laughs> no conflict there at all. Right, what could go wrong? <laughs> yeah, um, before we had our daughter, we would go to events together and it was really cool because if there was a client that he couldn't get in with, but I, they were my client, I would introduce him and like vice versa. And so we had this really fun dynamic. And then when you threw flipping the barrel in there, it really just like skyrocketed because a lot of now a lot of people come up to him. They're like, oh, your wife is flipping the barrel. And he's like, you know, he's kind of like he's got to take the back seat because but he he loves it. He he like thrives off of that. And he thrives off the success of Mossdale and I. And um, for him, he's uh, he's always been a, just a different kind of leader. He's a very big like people person and very much. Um, his favorite thing is really just to help inspire others to be great. And so he's kind of selfless in that way. And that's really helped me because um, there's a lot of times where, you know, I, I'm not, I'm, I guess I'm more selfish. <laughs> so um, he teaches me kind of, you know, when I'm crossing the line um, and maybe when I am spending too much time away from the family, but it's a good balance because sometimes I, I kind of lose sight of that. Uh, but he, you know, I don't think we could, I actually, I know we couldn't do it if we both didn't have the support mm -hmm. of our husbands who, mind you, were there when we came up with the podcast and they were like, literally like pushing us to go and do it. Oh, that must be great to have that support. And I'm, I'm noticing a through line in some of the stories you're telling, whether it's, you know, a discussion we're having with our spouse about where we live or how we're spending our time or even a discussion amongst each other. Uh, you've always said that conflict starts with communication or I should say conflict resolution starts with communication, uh, talking about your feelings, being willing to be vulnerable. But I have never once heard either of you said that you assume the other person has bad intentions. Would you say that like part of, you know, an effective partnership, whether it's a marriage or whether it's a business partnership is more or less always assuming the other person has good intentions. They just might not be communicating it well. Oh, a hundred percent. Yes. Yes. And I think that that is kind of that that can be the downfall when you start assuming, but you only start assuming when you stop communicating. Um, and so you really need to just make sure you're constantly communicating. And also the other one is aware of how much is on your plate. Like even when we do podcasts and, you know, we're doing stuff for our day job and then we're also doing stuff with our children. I always make sure that my husband's aware of like, hey, like I did this, this and this. And like, you know, we're doing this today and like I need this time today. Make sure. And so it's just a constant, you know, we're like he left to the field for a few days this past week. So he was gone. He wasn't even here. Um, and so it's just we have to align our schedules. And before that, I was in Florence for a week and he stayed home with Kylie and worked. And so, you know, it's but we we both we, we both do those sacrifices. And Masiel's the same. Her husband goes has to leave and she has to leave. And so, um, you know, 
And I think that that's important to note here so that people understand that like, it's not all, you know, roses and butterflies and we're always together. Like there is like, we do, our, our jobs are mobile. Like we do have to leave and, and we have to balance that. So um, I think that that, you know, that's something too, where communication is key. I don't know about you, Ben, but I sometimes, I just realized this this week, actually, I'll kind of have a moment of confession. When I get stressed, mm-hmm. I stop talking and I start blaming. Does that happen to you? Yes, of course it does. Okay. It, I'm going to blame you for putting that question on me. No. Okay. <laughs> I would love to hear from you, Masaya. When you get stressed, do you have something similar? And, and maybe how hard is it to come back to assuming good intentions for people? So maybe the question I'm asking you is, where do you go when you're stressed? And how do you get back to assuming good intentions about people? So yes, I feel the same way as you, Angie. Um, I think what's important here is that you know, when you are going through stressful situations or you are in a conflict or you don't understand why the other person that you trust so much, you know, maybe did something or said something or you start assuming so much and building this idea in that sometimes is a lot more negative than like what it actually is. And so you start thinking that they have negative intentions and how could they? And at the end of the day, like Jimmy mentioned, when you communicate properly, you realize that sometimes we build up a different story in our own heads that we construct as to how we're feeling and why we're feeling a certain way. When in reality, when you look at it the other way or maybe from their perspective, you had it wrong. And so that's happened to me a few times, but you always solve it through communication. And yes, you have to be vulnerable and let the other person know like, this is how I feel. And because you did X or because you said X. And then from there you kind of, oh, that's why, oh, okay. I thought it was this. And then, you know, I always assume people have good intentions and that you should always go into anything thinking that. Um, and yeah, communication is key in that instance. Bad, right? The story in your head. I love that you said that. This is, you know, because Angie, you know, I'm a big fan of Brene Brown. Yes. You and are. she's, of course, about vulnerability. But one kind of strategy she's always shared is whenever you want to have a difficult conversation, you don't say you're doing this and it's hurting me. You let people know, that, hey, the story I'm telling myself about the situation is X, Y, Z, where am I getting it wrong? And so essentially you're giving the responsibility of the story to yourself, but also leaving the floor open for them to share their perspective without placing blame, which is just something I love. So it sounds like something we should both do. Probably, probably. We should probably all do more. The story I'm telling myself is that we should do that. (laughs) (laughs) Use that for sure. This is my story. Fill in the blanks. Yes. Is it fiction? Is it nonfiction? Is it fantasy? (laughs) What genre are we dealing with? I want to also bring back another question to you both because I can tell that you have a lot of passion and purpose for the work that you're doing. And I'm sure it's directed towards change in some regard. I'd love to hear just when you think big picture about your work, what are some of the goals or aims that you're trying to achieve? So I would say um, part of the passion that started on the, you know, diversity and inclusion in, in oil and gas, especially, which is where Jamie and I are in the energy industry, is that we do want to see the change. And I'll let Jamie mention about like her own maternity leave and having a child in college how things that we've overlooked at in those policies are now things that we want to change for the better because women need that. And then for myself was growing up um, Latino, it's rare to see Latinos in C-level positions. I think it's like less than 5%. It's a very small number. And I would always wonder why, why am I not being represented? I mean, there's a lot of smart people out there. Why aren't we making it to, to, to these positions? 
And then when I went in engineering and I would talk to other women, they, they didn't know that they can go in engineering. They were like, I didn't know I could be good at math. I like, so I realized that there's a lot of things that we can fix in order to change the industry and have more of a representation of women and um, just different like diversities of, of thought as well. And not just gender and, you know, color of your skin, et cetera. But for us, the mission is to showcase that you can do it too. If Jamie and I can do it, you can do it too. And then we're highlighting all these other executives that have made it too that are also diverse. And so that's always been our, our driver is how do we make this industry better and how do we have better representation of women in these roles? Jamie, let's add to that. Yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts too. Yeah, to second Marcel, you know, my background was not engineering. I was marketing, business communication. And so, and I was, I have been very successful in oil and gas without an engineering degree. And for me, that was really important because a lot of people assume that for you to get into higher roles or for you to be successful, you have to be an engineer as well. And that kind of, you know, that takes away from a lot of opportunity of women that might be in those marketing and sales roles that, you know, you can also be successful. And I, and I really wanted to share that, like, Hey, I got taught how to do things um, from a technical side that maybe I didn't go to school for. And like, there's opportunities for that in oil and gas. And so I was very passionate about sharing that. And then to Maciel's point, you know, it really sparked for me when I had my maternity, uh, when I had my daughter and um, she was in the NICU. So I had her early, um, which was, so the company I was working for at the time had never had somebody in sales. That was a woman. I was the only uh, woman in sales that they've ever had. And so um, they didn't know how to handle it because they hadn't pre-prepared since I had her six weeks early. We were kind of assuming that we had more time to, to prepare like my maternity leave, um, but then things changed quickly. And what ended up happening was I, I really didn't feel like I got the support that I should have gotten. Um, and it really, it left a burden on me because, um, you know, you, you all do this whole change when you have a child. And like before that, I was, I've always been career driven, but I still like when I had Kylie, I realized the difference of like that selflessness of you're like, I, but I have to give this time to her. And I felt like they took it away from me. Um, and that really sparked the, the drive in me to change that. So what I ended up doing was going to the CEO of the company I worked for and explained to him what happened. And he was flabbergasted. Um, and he couldn't believe that, that, that the uh, maternity policies that they had in place didn't support what I needed. And that was because the policies were written so stringently that they weren't willing to go out of the lines. And for me, having a case that was so unique because I was in the NICU, I spent all this time there, I didn't have a normal pregnancy. And that was when they, when um, the HR at the company and everything really decided like, hey, we need to take a look at this. And that is what really changed from Marcel and I, like how our scope of what flipping the barrel is. And that then entailed into Reputation Matters, which is an event that we put on about HR policies in particular on how are we supporting diversity? And it's not just, you know, women and men and, and um, you know, just ethnicity. It's like, you know, how are the policies supporting parental leave? Like, how are we actually supporting those who are disabled? How are we supporting those who have families that they have to go and see or like they have, you know, elderly, um, you know, mother or, 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 or father and like, what are we doing for this? Um, and that, you know, me going through those experiences and sharing that, uh, you know, I, I also would like to add that because I had that conversation with the company I worked for at the time, oh, they have wonderful. completely changed everything. Um, they have new HR policies. They have hired more women. 
They're one of our biggest supporters of Flipping the Barrel. They have 20 women coming to our event. I mean, they have literally turned it around, but somebody has to speak up. Um, and, you know, Mossiel and I are that for this industry, for those that don't feel comfortable yet doing it, but we want to empower them to also do the things that her and I are doing. The, uh, you know, our listeners, you know, that might be working and mm -hmm. seeing things in their workplace that they think could be improved, that they could be better. What advice would you give them for having that conversation with someone who has, you know, managerial or maybe C-suite power? Mm -hmm. Um, honestly, it comes from a place of like pure really willingness and understanding of like what the circumstances for the company, but also the circumstances are for you. And you can't make it directly just about like, how can you change it for me? When I went to the C-suite and I talked to him about it, it was like, how can we change it for the, for the next person? I'm already done with. So I just want to make sure that going forward, we're, we're evaluating this policy and we are looking at it. And when you come from when you come from a solution standpoint, instead of a oh whoa me look what you did to me standpoint, uh, I feel like it's a, they're a lot more open to mm -hmm. discussing it, and then actually maybe even adding you on to a discussion board with like the HR or maybe whoever's looking over that policy, um, so that they can get your feedback. But uh, that that's kind of where I, that's where I started, and that's really the advice that I give is like you don't want to go in you know with already being negative because of how you felt. Uh, you want to just you want to explain like this is what we can do for the future to make sure this doesn't happen again. Marcel, would would you like to add? I would just say um, it's not always that easy. Um, we've heard of people speaking up, or even myself in the past, and you think that because you speak up, someone's going to come up with a congratulations, thank you so much for bringing this to light. It's not going to be butterflies and rainbows necessarily. Um, when things are shared or you're being vulnerable, sometimes it's not well taken, depending on, you know, it's a big corporation or big corporations. And so you kind of just have to, you will have supporters because at the end of the day, what you're trying to bring up is, is important and it's people focused. And like Jimmy mentioned, it's not for you, it's for the rest. But just know that it's not always that easy where you're just going to get applauded for bringing things up. You just kind of have to work with supporters within the company that will help you, you know, guide you how to, how to navigate this. Because at the end of the day, corporations, it's a lot of chess playing games and stakeholders and how you communicate that, which, you know, is different communication at our level and at the top. So you, it, really crafting the message comes into place and, and how I was able to do it or how other people that I know were able to do it is just having people that support you that are ahead of you and that might know how to handle these situations. Because sometimes at a younger, you know, level in the company, it's not as easy to make change. It's being able to articulate the change needed and then knowing that there's a long game and there's stakeholders. And if we can get share a voice and if we can get it for the benefit of everybody, not just the benefit of me, that we can start having the conversations and make these shifts. We want to get some more advice as fast as we can for our listeners. So we're going Absolutely. to ask you guys our favorite five questions coming right out of the gate. Let's go, Jamie. Uh, who's someone in your life that you should give more credit to? My mom. Your mom, why? <laughs> uh, because now being a mom, I realized like all of the things that she did that I like totally did not tell her thank you for. Oh. Nothing no. fosters empathy like a little experience, huh? <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Mazea? Who do you not give enough credit I'm to? I'm going to have to steal that answer as well, but my mom, and she's right. After we, you know, we or became moms were like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry for everything I made you go through. <laughs> um, so yes, 
<laughs> it's a selfless job and they they do so much with no return and so yes it'd be our moms oh i love that now the next question we've got teed up for you we're having a wonderful conversation today. Your personalities are magnetic and bubbly and just inspiring. And we're all human here. So we get into funk sometimes. When you are in a funk, what do you do to get yourself out of it? Um, I go work out. Um, I go on the Stairmaster for like 45 minutes and I sweat it out. Uh, and then also sometimes I literally like look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, snap out of it. Like... <laughs> Snap out of it. You don't have any more time to deal with this. Like you're wasting your, your mind space. Um, and those are, those are really my two options. I love it. <laughs> Slapping yourself in the face. Get over it. Masaya, what about for you? What do you do to get yourself out of a fuck? I would say I usually go to like one or two people that are really close to me that know me very well. So that'd be like Jamie or my husband and just explain my frustration and be like, am I crazy? Am I the problem? Because sometimes I am the problem and I like to hear it from others. <laughs> and so that really helps me of like, are my feelings valid? Like sometimes I just need to validate it with, with somebody else that knows me really well. And of course, going for a run or going for a workout is needed and it helps me distress. But I would say like speaking about my frustrations and my feelings and that I'm feeling stuck with someone who knows me really well, looking from the outside saying like, you're taking this wrong you know so that helps me wonderful just getting a little more perspective that's great mm -hmm. all right well the uh, next question for both of you if you could go back 10 years and give some advice to your younger self what would that advice be Masia? i would say oh gosh that's a hard one you know i think the advice that i would give myself is the same advice i gave myself because i really wouldn't change it is um I always told myself, don't listen to other people when they're trying to tell you to be different because you don't fit the mold. And so even if it's difficult and it's challenging to be weird and different and just kind of like don't listen to everybody on how you have to be so perfect in this world and just always follow what at the end of the day, Marcel wants to do. And I think I've always done that. And uh, that's an advice that I would give anybody uh, to do. Great advice. Uh, I would say patience. Um, I'm very reactive uh, and I have some patterns that have duplicated like through the past 10 years where I was just super reactive. And uh, if I would have just waited just a little bit longer, I think my outcome could have been could have maybe not have been as drastic. But ultimately, because of the decisions I made quickly is where how I got to where I am today. So I don't always say that that is a like it held me back but moving forward i i definitely um and i think most of i have a conversation about this all the time it's just like patience um because some things you need to just like take a breath before you actually you know move forward and so i i would say that that would be a big one for me great guidance to give your younger self and probably great guidance to give yourself today too it sounds as like <laughs> i think we can all benefit from a little bit more patience i'd love to hear from both of you too like a book that you've read that was really impactful for you. Can you think of a book somewhere along your lifespan that you read that was really impactful for you? Masail, do you want to go first? Yes, uh, I just finished it and I shared a lot of it with Jamie is How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yes. And gosh, I mean, I read that book and it's so simply written, but I saw myself in so many situations where I was like, I needed this book like 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic for a reason. 
It's yeah. such a classic. And I remember like even just with Jamie and I like going through things and I would send her screenshot and be like, we are doing this wrong. See, the book says that you have to let the other person talk and we both always talk. And so I think even in this interview, I'm using a lot of the book of like, let other people talk. It's not all about you. I love that you go back in time. Not only would you tell yourself it's okay to be different, but here's this book. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie, what about a book for you? Apparently you've got some reading in your future with this book too. (laughs) Fred, sounds like you've got the Bible here. I love that Mossiel had shared that with me because it really helped us every day. And I felt like every time she sent me a screenshot, it aligned with what had happened either today before that day um but for me it's actually it's never split the difference i have it right here we love that <laughs> Chris book. Voss, wow, yes. i love that book. This book i probably have read it five times and honestly anytime i need to go into a negotiation i actually go back into it and i've highlighted like points because i tend to forget sometimes but i really i felt like it really helped me read a room too like i've i've always kind of had that natural ability to like understand kind of how people feel in a room but this really like gave me the guidance to understand like from other people's perspective and and the other like thought process and psychology of how just by mirroring others you can get them on your side and get them on your side are you mirroring that was (laughs) he was trying to mirror you Yeah, mirroring like, like Jedi uh, mind you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good old negotiation that is joke. Fine. Ben, what's our final question? Final question. So we have all, all of our listeners here right now. What in your life is a piece of just practical a strategy or a piece of advice that someone gave you that was a game changer that our listeners could apply to their lives today? Like, do it. Like, go out and, and do that thing do that thing. Stop talking about it. I mean, I, 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 we've said this a couple of times through the podcast here or through the, the interview here, but it really seriously is like, if you have some idea, just do it. Failure is not like you have, and we Moss and I talk about this all the time as well. Like this is your one life, your one chance. Like there's no other chances. So like go and try everything and you, you're going to fail, but it's only through that where you're going to learn what, what is right, what is wrong, and really what path you wanna take. And so for anybody listening, like if you have an idea, I mean, there's so many resources online that, and also don't just go down a rabbit hole of reading resources, like go and try it yourself. Um, and I mean, that that would be my, my biggest advice to anybody listening, because there's nothing that stands in the way between what we have done and what you wanna do besides us just actually doing it. I would, I would add to that, and it's something that Jimmy and I talk about all the time as well is, like, don't take advice is very important. Don't take advice from people that haven't done it or that you don't see as successful because it's very easy to take and say, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that idea. Maybe starting a podcast is a dumb idea. And but so it's important because a lot of people take a lot of people's advice because we like to listen to others on like what we want to do. So it's really important to make sure you take advice from people that you see are successful and that you want to be like. And so it's important to filter the ones that you don't need. Go to the credible experts who are doing the things that you want to do. They're probably going to give you the best advice too. And so that's really great. So everyone, put your filter up. You mean the Instagram guru saying you can be a keynote speaker in four days might not be genuine? I think that might be wrong. Or the four minute run tactics and all these quick fixes. It's not a quick fix. Run a marathon in three days. But with the courage and confidence, the connections, the communication... 
gosh, Jamie, Maceo, you've given us so much just rich guidance today. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you so much, listeners, for tuning into Bet on You Radio. Bet and I are so honored to have these conversations with such amazing guests so you can get the ideas and inspirations to live a more inspired life. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Ben, weren't they amazing? That was such a great conversation. I feel like they gave life advice, and I'd love to hear from you. What were some of the takeaways from their conversation that were really meaningful for you? You can't make assumptions if you're communicating. How many areas of my life am I going to apply that to? I should tattoo it on my arm, write it in lipstick on the bathroom mirror so I see it every day can't make assumptions if you're communicating. So always communicate. What about yourself? I think that's, yeah, it's, it's such an easy guide and it's so hard too because when I get busy or when I get stressed, as I shared, there's some unhealthy habits that certainly, but getting quiet is one of my things too. But you're right, you have to fill that information void, information vacuum, which is the courage to have the conversation. I thought they're just doing guidance. They're presenting themselves as, look at us. We don't have any special skill. I mean, I would argue that they have many special skills, but they're saying just, we just did it and we learned and we weren't good and we got better. And again, I do think that their good enough was pretty great. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah. And it's almost like this is a theme at Bet on You Radio. We have Rich Brower telling you to just take the chance, get out there and do it. We had the Porter Brothers saying, get out there and do it. We've had um, Jamie and Maciel saying, just take the risk and do it. I wonder if there's a theme there. It's almost like we're encouraging people to take risks on themselves. That's a good idea. To bet on themselves. Someone, someone should do a podcast about that. We, Yes, let's get on that right away. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Bet on You Radio.